Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, we welcome Oscar winner Mark Mangini to chat about his work on Dune. During our discussion, we chatted about creating the sound of mice and cluster bombs, working with Denis Villeneuve, Dune Part 2, and much more. Retrospectively, looking back at this entire journey, I mean, what is the biggest thing that you take away from um, this process and this collaboration? Wow. I mean, I think the hugest thing was, um, well, the biggest difference from this from any other project was learning to work uh, away from the team during the pandemic, have everybody having to take their studios home. They're, they're being babies there. Oh, I hear daddy, um, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, uh, you know, the process is that uh, we developed between us to be able to work um, as a team, um, really sort of transformed the work in many ways. Obviously, Mark and I got started on this like before the pandemic um, hit, but it was still like a good sort of year of uh, full work um, during 2020. And, um, you know, I think it was, it was a huge leap for our editor, Joe Walker, to, to get used to working with Denis Villeneuve uh, remotely. And I, I don't think it was that easy in many ways. Um, and I think for us, we're so used to this being this sort of very collaborative process. And yet we adapted and we found ways of working to, um, that, that, that um, allowed us to contribute in the way that we're used to. So that was like, for me, that was the big um, takeaway in a way is that it is possible to work um, in, in, in a sort of virtual way. It's, it's never quite the same as having the director being able to pop into the room with you, but, uh, but we, we learned a lot about how to work this way. Um, and, you know, aesthetically, I think one of the things that we took from this process was the ability to um, split our minds between the ability to uh, to create documentary, real, um, believable, grounded science fiction sounds, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to what is so commonly done, you know, the kind of um, outlandish synthesized sort of electronic sci-fi sounds. And yet at the same time, balance that with the ability to have something which goes inside someone's mind. I mean, the, the Dune story is very much the, um, the journey of a young man into a landscape on, into a planet that's that's a, a, another world for him, and simultaneously, we're we're he's 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 delving deeper and deeper into his mind, into his um, psychic powers, if you want to call them that, into his um, visionary powers. So um, we developed this dual language, one of extreme realism, gritty documentary realism, if you will, and one of the internal world of somebody who's who, who has visionary powers, um, and. That's something which I don't think any other film is quite the same. I think that's something which 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 we've done, which is really unique for Dune. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I I, I completely agree. Um, Mark, pose the, please pose the question again. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, just looking back at um, this entire sort of journey. I mean, what do you take away from the process and? Um, and the collaboration? My takeaway from the collaboration is a deep respect for what a gifted filmmaker Denis Villeneuve is. He, 
at every opportunity encouraged Theo and I to explore and kind of break boundaries. And, and, and part of that process, as Theo has described, was this was arriving on this, this aesthetic of documentary realism. Um, you know, we go into these science fiction films thinking that the goal is to make sounds that no one's ever heard before. And the go-tos, the tropes in that environment are usually weird, you know, electronic synthetic sounds that are kind of um, attractive to the ear, but perhaps not faithful to what's seen on screen. And it was only through Denis' encouragement to explore the science fiction medium to, and, and find a, a sound aesthetic that fits his film that we we arrived at the sound that we we end up with in our film and that along the way um, included allowing Theo and I to really make a lot of mistakes and try the outlandish sound or try the severely understated sound and eventually arrive at what would become the, the sound that is Dune. And so um, it, it's really a testament to his vision as a, as a really gifted modern director uh, to ask us to find ways to break our habits, break the science fiction tropes in cinema and find new ways to express ourselves. And that, you know, as you can imagine for any artist to be told, go and discover is, is, is that's mana, that's mana from heaven. Mm -hmm. You've talked about how you've created the sound of the sand, the worm, the voice, but has is there something that someone hasn't asked you about yet that you um, <laughs> that is sort of just a, a a secret or maybe not a secret, but just something that you wouldn't quite expect on on first listen. Mm. Well, there's there's probably several um, some of the less talked about items might be the desert mouse, the Muadib, as as um, Herbert describes it. Paul and Jessica have had some time buried under the sand in a tent and they dig their way out um, for Paul to discover a, a visitor in the desert in the form of this little creature. And we, Theo and I had spent weeks exploring rodent-like sounds that we could transform through some kind of sound processing into a, a, a creature we had never heard before, a small little rodent. Mm -hmm. um, and one weekend, our film editor, Joe Walker, had been perusing the internet and stumbled across a nature video by Danny Connor, a, a well-known and well-respected nature photographer, who had stumbled across an abandoned family of red squirrel babies. And she happened to have, she's a photographer, but happened to have a microphone. And she posted a very short video, which is online and you can look up right now, Danny Connor, red squirrel. And you can hear the sounds that we used for Muadib. They were so compelling right out of the box that they required no processing, no filtering, no anything. We literally, Called, I called Danny in Sweden. She was out in the forest somewhere and she thought that it was a joke. 
that somebody from Hollywood was calling about a sound she made. And I asked her if we could use it in this movie called Dune and she couldn't, she, she literally thought somebody was playing a prank on her. And we licensed those sounds and those are exactly what you hear in the final film, just as Danny had recorded them. We, we, we literally had to do nothing to them. So I think that's a lovely success story. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. I, <laughs> I mean, the internet, um, I mean, can be a hole for a lot of things, but uh, I guess <laughs> you can also find um, small squirrels. That can... Yeah, uh, another one that I just thought of, I was gonna mention in an interview yesterday, um, there's a moment when Paul and Jessica are being first kidnapped by the Harkonnens. They're, they're on the ground, they're having a conversation and the ornithopter takes off and flies out into the distance. And in a, and in a, and in a stunning wide shot, you see a Harkonnen attack ship drop these cluster bombs on the city of Arrakis. And I didn't have anything that resembled what I thought would be the sound of a cluster bomb. Uh, and what you see is, you know, thousands of little points of light emanate from the bottom of the ship that, that turn into explosions all across the landscape. And I didn't have a sound for that. And uh, one of our uh, great sound editors, Lee Gilmore, had a sound that he had put in and he played for me. And I loved it. It fit the image perfectly. And I said, where did you get that? Did you go out on like military operations with the Navy or the, the, the Air Force to, to capture a proper cluster bomb? And he said, no, it's the sound of a whoopee cushion. It's something I had at home. And when I squeezed it, it made this popping sputtering sound that goes And that's the sound of the Harkonnen cluster bombs. I I love that. I think there was an interview where you said the simplest things um, can make the most like con or the most complex things can come from the most simple objects, which I find fascinating. And even I mean, you've said it in two instances: squirrels and whoopee cushions. So um, no, that that's that's fantastic. Um, and I mean, what did you learn um, from? I mean, your other sort of sound designers during this process that that you sort of will take away. Is it the idea of, I mean, of reinventing science fiction and the way that you guys have both sort of spoken about um, the ability to try anything? Like, what what did what did you learn um, that on this project that is just going to take take you to your next ones? Well, uh, what I learned on this project was that Denis Villeneuve is a gifted filmmaker and he has a vision for the future of cinema that includes sound in ways that's never really been considered. We're not the first to do this, but we did it to such a great degree that it points in a direction for other filmmakers. And that is this. Denis has always felt that sound needed to be an integral part of his filmmaking process, as much as screenwriting, as much as editing, as much as visual effects, as much as music. And as such, and non-traditionally, Denis engages us early in the process, as early as the script writing phase. What that allows for is a unique ability to collaborate with all the other departments and have us inform each other's work. 
So in our case, the most obvious examples were our ability to work with the visual effects department and then sometimes have sound lead the image as opposed to the other way around, which is the filmmaking tradition. For 99% of the films I've done in my career, we wait for visual, visual effects to complete and then we are reactive to what we see and build sound to what we see. Denis has turned that on its head and allowed us all to begin suggesting approaches visually and sonically. And sometimes Denis chooses the sonic approach and says to visual effects, you might consider animating to that, not the other way around. Yeah. And so um, that, that I've always understood the value of it, but Denis put it in very concrete terms because he puts his money where his mouth is. He says it and he means it and we do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, and I mean, what ultimately do you hope that audiences and maybe other filmmakers, maybe sound designers take away from Dune ultimately? My long-term goal, and this is not just on Dune, but this is something I've been attempting to achieve my entire career is to demonstrate how sound, which is a deeply underappreciated contributor to the narrative value of any, 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 any film, how sound can be a primary narrative tool in the same way that screenwriting and acting and editing and cinematography can be. All of those disciplines are deeply understood and studied at film schools and at, and, and at film festivals, but sound is deeply underappreciated and under-researched in its ability to be equally as contributory in, in, in telling stories. There, there, there's so much you sometimes you can say with a sound that could take thousands of words to explain. It's a it's a it's a wildly efficient tool, a storytelling tool when you know how to use it. Denis has 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 mastered that, and I hope this is seen as a, as a as a lesson, uh, in some sense, for other filmmakers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I mean not to skip over. Um, I mean, the obvious, I mean, Sunday is the Oscars. Um, and I mean, what happens post, post Sunday for you? What's, what's next on the horizon? There's, there's lots of work coming. There's all, you know, my joy, I am a true, I'm Italian. I'm a hundred percent Italian. And so I know somewhere in my genetics is a little Geppetto a little Italian craftsman. All I live for is going to the shop every day and making something beautiful and putting it up on the shelf and hoping somebody appreciates it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, you know, I have films that take me through the end of the year and, and accordingly we'll start on Dune 2 soon enough. And I can't really talk about that, but Dune 2 will be shot and we will create sound for it. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to that experience with Denis and Joe Walker and Dave Whitehead and Donald Moat and, and Paul Lambert and Tristan Miles and, and Patrice Vermette and the, the entire Dune team. I'm looking forward to that collaboration again where 
nothing feels like work. Mm -hmm. We just show up and we have this amazing film in front of us with, with that is like a blank canvas in a sense. And we're, we're given the, the privilege to contribute to it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, whereas, uh, whereas many people in their lives go to jobs that maybe they don't enjoy and, and can't wait to come home at 5 p.m., I'm one of the few in, in life, and I feel deeply grateful for this, that I have a job that I love to do and I'd, I'd stay late for if I had to because it's just fun to be there. Yeah. No, I mean, if I had your job, I would, I would do, I'd be there all night. I wouldn't sleep. No, it, it, it I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. Um, and I mean, final, very final few questions. Um, who do you hope to collaborate with more on the upcoming film? That you uh, on might the, not have, on Dune 2. On the new, on the, on Dune 2? Or Dune Ooh. Part 2. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned that because I was thinking through our process. We've developed a beautiful relationship with Tristan and Paul Lambert and Gerd uh, in the visual effects department. And I think we're going to see those relationships blossom. Obviously, we have a deep and strong relationship with Hans Zimmer, and that's integral to our success because we are sound and we have to collaborate. But it occurred to me that there is at least two departments that I have yet to have a collaboration with, and I'm, I'm struggling to wonder how would it work? And that is Donald Moat with, uh, and his team in, in makeup and uh, Jacqueline and Robert in costume. We, I, I have, I, I'm determined to find some hands across the water with those departments so we can say to each other, oh my God, I never thought of that. Let's do that the next time. And so I'm hoping we find that some common ground on the next one. I love that. I would, I would love to see what you guys can do with a with some with some makeup and some sound and and some costumes. I think that would Who be. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, with with Dune, I mean, anything's up for grabs. I feel like, um, which is wonderful. Um, and then finally, I I mean, it might be like picking a, a your favorite child. But I mean, what is your favorite um, Denis project that you've been a part of? Is it Dune or um, is, it, is it one of the others? Well, I have three children and it's as unfair to ask me that as, as it is to ask me who's my favorite son. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I will simply answer by saying that Blade Runner is very special to me because it was a seminal experience. It was my first time meeting Denis and everything that unfolded in that was new and fresh and original. Not that the ideas aren't in Dune, but I have these deep and fond memories of, of discovering Denis as a creative and as a filmmaker on that film uh, that were very new to me and, to, and, and the wonder and the joy that accompanied that, that, that experience um, because he's so rare and mm -hmm. it was just the marvel of, oh my God, filmmakers like this really exist. Did I just hit the lottery? Yeah. So I just remember marveling at that, 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 that new found experience, you know, inversely, I think Dune in some ways, because we've developed our relationship over two films speaks even more loudly, if you will, 
um, with sound. We, we've developed our language, Denis and Theo and Joe Walker and I and Hans, and we're speaking more clearly together because of the experience we had on Blade Runner. So in some sense, Dune is an even more clear expression of what we can achieve together. Yeah, and it can only continue now with uh, oh, yeah. part two. Doom part good. Two. Well, Mark, I wanna thank you so much for your time today um, and shifting schedules and everything with that. Um, I know this is a crazy week for you um, and it's only bound to be a crazier weekend, um, but I wish you the best of luck this weekend. Um, it's been an absolute honor chatting with you. Um, and I hopefully we can chat again um, someday and and relive another another sort of marvel or epic that comes in into the into the picture. I'll look forward to that, Jackson. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jackson Vickery. Graphics were done by Dylan Michael, and the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky.